You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Want to learn how to be an entrepreneur? You are dedicated and devoted to a life of developing new ideas and innovations. Willing to take calculated career risks, achieving independent wealth and success. Then you are ready to experience the entrepreneur effect. We'll highlight opportunities for entrepreneurs in digital marketing through interesting, practical, and thought-provoking interviews and monologues. Increase your income and be your own boss by listening to The Entrepreneur Effect. Please welcome your host, a 25-year veteran in sales, management, and business development, Dush Ramachandran. Hi, and welcome to Entrepreneur Effect. This is Dush Ramachandran. My guest today is Mauro Gian, who is the author of the new book, 2030, How Today's Biggest Trends Will Collide and Reshape the Future of Everything. Hi, Mauro. How are you? I'm great, Dasha. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. I've uh, had the opportunity to take a look at the book and uh, read it, and uh, I'm very, very impressed. So let's, uh, let's dive into the conversation. Um, now, I know you are uh, a professor at uh, the Wharton School of Business. Um, so what, what was it that prompted you to write the book? Was this, was this book um, always in use? Uh, waiting to get out, or is this something that you came upon where uh, people that you were working with and people that you were engaged with said, you've got to write a book? That's a great question, Dush, and uh, the answer is very simple. It's anxiety. My own anxiety about uh, what the future might bring, and also the anxiety of uh, the audiences where I was making uh, presentations, you know, my students at the Wharton School, but also uh, I'm a frequent public speaker, and uh, I make all sorts of presentations. And about seven years ago, I was noting that people were getting anxious about the future. And the reason, of course, was that there's so many things changing, right? From population trends to the economy to technology. And that's why I decided three years ago to write the book after interacting with audiences, um, both uh, at my university and also here across the United States and also some other cities around the world. And I, I really wanted to write something that would help people overcome that anxiety about all of this change in the world. That was the reason. Okay, excellent. And you know, you've um, you, you you lay out a very strong case 
for the fact that there are there are interesting trends, uh, but if we if we actually sort of follow the trends and take action uh, in the correct way, um, there's really no need for anxiety. I think uh, I think you make a good case that um, you can you know anticipate some dead ends. You can. Uh, you can you can make some changes and things would be things would be good. So that's a very heartening, very encouraging um, encouraging statement, and I appreciate that because at this time everybody needs a little bit of comfort uh, because exactly as you said, there is an awful lot of anxiety going around in the world. Um, let me let me bring you to uh, something that is close to everyone's mind at this point. We're in the middle of a pandemic, um, and you know, for all intents and purposes, we were told that it was going to go away and it would blow away in the wind. When this warm weather came, it would just be all over. And then it's it's gotten worse. Summer's come and gone. We're entering into late fall and early winter. Uh, and where I am in Boulder, Colorado, we've had six inches of snow overnight. So it, we are we are in winter, and cases are spiking all over the world, um, and certainly here in the U.S. as well. Uh, more than two hundred twenty thousand people have died in the U.S. as of as of now. Um, so, what do you what do you foresee in the trends um, as it relates to this particular pandemic? Yeah. So, look, I wrote the book using information both from before the pandemic and during the pandemic. Sure. And let me just say that uh, I think we need to keep into account three basic points. The first is. Look, we're not going to be able to go back to where we were before the pandemic. This is the kind of crisis that is going to change our lives. But then number two, for the most part, this pandemic accelerates pre-existing trends. For example, we're using technology even more so than before, uh, including the platform that we're using for recording uh, this uh, podcast. But you see, these technology adoption trends were already going on before the pandemic. We were already shopping online, but now we're shopping even more online. So this is the second important point is acceleration. The third point is, look, the pandemic will be over, uh, but the trends will still be with us. So it's a great idea then now, even in the midst of a pandemic, to think not only about the next few months until we can overcome the pressing issues that we're facing right now, but to also think about where are we going to be in five years from now or 10 years from now. Once again, knowing that this pandemic primarily accelerates pre-existing trends. That's a really good point. You know, the fact that it accelerates pre-existing trends, and also, I think uh, I, I've I've heard it also being described like a tsunami, where the tsunami comes in and the wave just crashes on shore, and you know it submerges a lot of things, and then when it goes out, it just pulls a whole lot of um, you know, everything behind it. And once the waves recede, you see a lot of the things that were hidden before the pandemic. So in other words, it has laid bare or exposed uh, a lot of perhaps uh, things in our society, in our culture uh, that didn't work so well. Uh, so, so things have changed dramatically. Um, and you, I think you make a, you make a good point that, uh, Things are going to fundamentally change, and so we should be we should be prepared for that. Um, you make a very nice point in the book about imagine no possessions, <clears throat> which is which is really interesting. When you come to when you when you put it like that, you say, "Well, that's that, that that's crazy." 
but you know you're absolutely right um you know take you 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 use uber as an example which is perfect um you know airbnb is another great example they're the largest hospitality industry uh, hospitality company in the world they don't own a single hotel room uh, Uber is the largest transportation company in the world. They don't own a single automobile uh, and so on and so forth. Um, where does this all go? Uh, is, is home ownership going to go away? Is that, is that going to completely trash the real estate market? Where is that going? Well, uh, that's a great question. And as you know, if you ask millennials, uh, so those people roughly speaking between the ages of 18 now and uh, 35 or so, uh, they will tell you, no, we, we have very little interest in, in buying a home. Uh, we would prefer to be renters. And by the way, when we travel, we don't want to go to hotels. As you said, we want to experience, uh, you know, by renting uh, from other people, right? And that's why they go to one of those platforms, uh, digital platforms where you can do that. Uh, but I think uh, this sharing economy is going to go even further in the future. And by the way, I think it's going to be great for the environment, for climate change. Let me just give you two examples. Sure. One is, as you know, Dush, we, we waste a lot of food here in the United States and other sure. parts of the world. Uh, you know, we, we let uh, cans of food go bad in our pantry. Uh, we, we buy too much uh, one ingredient, but then we don't use it up, uh, you know, for the meal that we're preparing. So sharing apps can help us share food, not only so that those who go hungry can have food on their table, which is important, but also so that we, uh, just uh, all of us together, we, we share more of that food with our neighbors uh, and we don't let it go bad. Um, if, we, if we waste, uh, according to the US government, 31% of our food, just imagine how many carbon emissions we could avoid, how much uh, transportation of food that we never used, uh, we could uh, eliminate if we engaged in sharing. And the same, by the way, goes for clothes. I'm not gonna give you the exact numbers, but it's very similar to food. So I think this uh, sharing, this idea that instead of having possessions, what we are is in a society and in an economy where sharing is so much more frequent, much more common than it actually is today, then I think uh, we're gonna be in a better world in five, in 10 years from now. I think you're exactly right. Um, and, you know, uh, another very interesting um, change that has is, that is, uh, taken over is where we're no longer buying music. Uh, you know, back, you know, I'm, I'm of a certain age where I remember going to the record stores and spending, you know, several hours, maybe an hour or two, you know, wandering through the aisles, picking up a, a record, taking it to the listening station, putting on a headset, listening to the record. And you listen to maybe four or five records and you finally buy a record or two. Uh, and then it went to tapes and then to, uh, you know, CDs. And now we stream everything. I mean, if you have Apple Music or Spotify or Pandora, you need never buy another record ever or another recorded CD ever again. Uh, whatever you want is available anytime you want it. Uh, the same goes for movies. Um, you know, we used to buy movies on videotape. Then we used to buy movies on DVD. Um, now you just uh, stream it whenever you want it from Amazon or from uh, uh, Netflix or whatever. So what is, what is that change doing to us as we, as we, get away from ownership of these things, ownership of music, of books, of movies, and so on, to, you know, having access to it on demand. Uh, what, what is that doing to society? 
Well, I think what it's doing is at the most superficial level, I think everyone would agree, is that the cost is coming down, right? So when you and I were growing up, I remember also going to the music store and buying a vinyl record. You see, the price of yes. each song would be the equivalent today of $18. Just imagine $18, the equivalent uh, today sure. of a vinyl song. So if you bought a single way back then, it would be 30, uh, $36, right? Uh, so right. it would have two songs, so divided by two is $18. So one big advantage is, of course, the cost. But the other one is this new concept that instead of ownership, what we have is access. So I can access the music. I can access the content. I can access your podcast. I can access also a room somewhere in the world, right? So that I can go on vacation. I can get to know the community. So I think that's a big change in our mindset. And again, I am greatly hoping that this will be a change for the better in terms of our relationship with the environment, both in terms of natural resources and in terms of the climate. Um, so I, I do believe that uh, once we go beyond uh, the most, uh, you know, common examples, such as the ones you mentioned, Uber or Lyft uh, or Didi in China, right, and Airbnb here uh, for accommodations, once we move beyond that, there's a world of opportunity out there uh, in terms of essentially not only delivering lower cost and more convenience to the consumer, but also using our resources more wisely, which I think is something that should be at the top of our priority list in terms of the things that we must accomplish over the next few years. That sounds, that sounds absolutely right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mauro Guillen uh, about his book, 2030. Mauro, don't go any, anywhere. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for more of The Entrepreneur Effect when we return. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. You are experiencing the Entrepreneur Effect only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Dush Ramachandran. Welcome back. This is Dush Ramachandran with Entrepreneur Effect. My guest today is Mauro Guillen, who is the author of the new book, 2030, How Today's Biggest Trends Will Collide and Reshape the Future of Everything. So Mauro, before the break, we were talking about how the concept of ownership has kind of transitioned and moved to the concept of access. We talked about music and how you don't buy music anymore. You just have access to it. And you can listen to any song there is in the world uh, if you subscribe to one of these uh, music um, sharing networks. Similarly, you know, books and TV and movies and so on. Um, so the, 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 the question then comes up, 
you know, you've, you've seen a lot of changes taking place and you've seen um, some very significant um, forces in the marketplace. Now you talk about the fact that it creates enormous opportunities. So for people who are involved in these businesses or have been involved in these businesses, it looks like the world is ending, but you, you strike a very hopeful note and you say, there's a world of opportunities out there if we make the shift. So explain, if you will, what are those opportunities? How can people take advantage of those opportunities for the future? No, absolutely, Dush. And uh, I, I fully realize that sometimes it seems as if when we are witnessing so much turmoil, so much conflict in the world that, oh my goodness, maybe there are no big opportunities, for example, for launching new products or services uh, or for implementing technology. But let me give you two examples, which I think uh, make the point. And I'm not going to talk about China or about any other emerging market. We already know that those markets are growing quickly. But think about other things that are growing everywhere in the world. Doesn't matter which country it is. For me, the best example is think about the gray market. Gray as in the color of your hair if you're old enough. Think about the population above the age of 60. Uh, you see, it's growing very quickly because we're living longer and longer. And not only that, it's becoming more important because we're also at the same time having fewer and fewer babies. Uh, so you know what? By the year 2030, this segment of the market will be the largest in terms of um, dollar spending everywhere in the world, the population above age 60. But up until now, right, pretty much the biggest segment has always been that of young consumers. We call them millennials today. By the year 2030, that will no longer be true. And you know what? That segment will want technology. They will want to use technology for all sorts of things. Uh, they will need automation, perhaps robotics in their homes. They will need medicines. They will need healthcare. But they also will, will be looking for entertainment, for leisure, for travel. Maybe virtual reality would be great for them. So this market is growing as we speak right now here in the United States. It's growing in China. It's growing in Europe. It's growing everywhere. So that's, I think, one of the best examples, right? And I think entrepreneurs, I think um, inventors, they will come up over the next few years with uh, great ideas uh, that will make life more enjoyable for that segment of the population. But so far, uh, the emphasis, the attention has been elsewhere, not precisely on that segment of the market. Yeah, and that's uh, that's exactly right. So, you know, you have to, towards towards the the back end of the book, you also make some suggestions. You say anticipate dead ends. Um, you know, for people that uh, if you look at people that were uh, in the photography business, um, film completely went out. Um, you know, Kodak was the, the preeminent provider of film. And they in fact created cameras uh, so that they could sell film. Their primary business was film. And a couple of Kodak engineers in, in Rochester uh, designed and invented the very first digital camera. Uh, but Kodak uh, management did not want to get that camera out because they, they felt that it would cannibalize their business. It would kill the film business. and even though they didn't uh, end up producing a digital camera, the rest of the uh, camera manufacturers came out with digital cameras, which have since killed the business. And of course, uh, Kodak is really not a, a viable company any longer. And the film business is, is in trouble. Um, so how can we, now to, to, to the executives 
at Kodak, that would have looked like a dead end. You know, the film business would have looked like a dead end. But so how can we anticipate a dead end? And how can we, how can we take evasive action to make sure that we stay alive? I mean, I mean, in a business context. Yeah, so you're right. There's always technological disruptions that come along, like uh, the invention of digital photography. And this has happened with many categories of products. Uh, uh, you know, we could uh, uh, right now talk about so many other examples, uh, essentially, you know, very, very sharp technological transitions that put out of business a lot of companies and then created a vast new market for new companies, right? Uh, look, uh, I think the most important thing is to realize that Yes, on the one hand, you have technology disrupt disruptions, but then you also have demographics. You also have trends in the market, consumer trends, that is. Uh, and so uh, even when, uh, you know, a product is very old, maybe, uh, you know, and you think it's just uh, it's best that times have passed, um, maybe there's a, a market for them somewhere else in the world. Let me give you one example. Uh, you know, barbecuing uh, here in the United States is extremely popular, right? I mean, we do this uh, for Labor Day. We do this for Memorial Day. Uh, if uh, the weather is warm, we would also do it for Thanksgiving, right? For most of the sure. country, we can. Um, and uh, there's an American company, Weber Stephen, that has those uh, spherical barbecues that sure. are very easy to move. They decided 10 years ago, let's go to India. And of course, as you know, better than most people in India, uh, well, you have to persuade people to barbecue the kinds of things that you barbecue, uh, including uh, obviously uh, a beef, right? Well, right. but that's impossible there. So how did they succeed? Well, they said, let's actually start posting online recipes for other things that you can barbecue. Maybe they have a vegetarian uh, ingredients only. Uh, let's try to understand the Indian consumer. And they changed uh, things over there. They've been selling tens of thousands of them. It's an old technology, but they are now positioning in India through some of the newer technologies that we have, like creating Instagram groups, creating uh, hype for it, uh, for barbecuing, for having a family gathering and barbecuing things that they can eat, you know, depending on their dietary restrictions. Uh, but uh, again, they've revived an old product through the use of new, in this case, social network technologies and apps and platforms in a way that, that they've been able to grab enormous market share in that market. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a really good example because, uh, you know, culturally, barbecuing didn't really exist in India. Correct. Um, because it was not part of the Indian cuisine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, grilling was, was not something. I mean, the only type of grilled food that you would find in traditional Indian cuisine is the naan bread. But mm -hmm. it's not even done on a grill. It's done inside a naan, uh, you know, inside a tandoori oven where it's, you know, it's a clay oven and so on and so forth, high temperature and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's, you make a really good point where... Um, a, a quintessentially American company um, has taken a quintessentially American practice and adapted it to suit a different market and created a market for themselves. And I think that suggests a very, very good idea for all of our business owner, entrepreneur uh, listeners who are listening saying, yeah, you know, that doesn't quite apply because we don't do it that way here but all it requires as you say is to adapt that to suit your business and you know and to create a new market i think that's a very very powerful argument 
Exactly right. And of course, needless to say, India is not a small market. <laughs> right. 1.3 billion people there. So the sky is the limit uh, in some of these uh, parts of the world where maybe a product is not yet ready for the market, but you can make it more attractive if you uh, use some of the you know uh, newer technologies that we have available to us now in terms of reaching the consumer. Excellent. Um, that, I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, and we'll take a short break in a second. I really want to talk to you about your conclusion, the lateral trips and tips and tricks to survive 2030 after we come back. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation with Mauro again. Stick around. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for more of the Entrepreneur Effect when we return. Here's the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. You are experiencing the entrepreneur effect only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Dush Ramachandran. Welcome back. This is Dush Ramachandran with Entrepreneur Effect. Uh, my guest today is Mauro Gian, who is the author of the new book, 2030, How Today's Biggest Trends Will Collide and Reshape the Future of Everything. So Mauro, before the break, we were talking about um, you know, adaptation, how, how you can survive through adaptation. And uh, the example that you gave of uh, Weber barbecues uh, going to India where uh, barbecuing is not part of the culinary culture, but they did, they did take that uh, opportunity to create an adapted uh, recipe book and menus and so on and so forth and carved out a great, uh, great market there. So in the, in the final part of your book, uh, in the conclusion, you talk about lateral tips and tricks to survive 2030. Um, so for our, for our listeners here, um, if, you could, if you could summarize and you provide sort of seven tips or seven principles, if you will. Um, so could you just go through what they are? 
No, absolutely. And I think that perhaps the best way of doing so is by saying that you can boil them down to two basic uh, principles, right? Uh, out of those seven, just for the sake of simplicity. So the first point that I want to make is something that I think uh, will appeal to many of your listeners, which is uh, you need to essentially accept the fact that with all of this change we're going through, and again, it's been accelerated by the pandemic, there's no going back. I mean, if anybody promises to you that we can go back to the good old days before this pandemic, or even further back 10 or 20 years ago when the world looked different and perhaps you felt more comfortable about it, um, you know, that's a self-defeating kind of attitude. You have to resist that temptation of thinking that we can go back. Because if uh, you succumb to that idea then of uh, being able to go back, then you're not going to have enough time to adapt to what's coming. So that, I think, is the first step. And then, as, a, as you mentioned in the book, there are seven principles. Uh, but let me just summarize them in the following way. Um, so um, when we see so much change affecting us or affecting our company or our organization, as human beings, uh, instinctively, we go to one of two extremes. One extreme is to freeze, to not do anything, hoping that you know, the storm will pass and then we can start making decisions as to how to adapt to the new situation. And the other extreme is to say, well, if everything is changing, I'm gonna change everything also. I'm gonna get a divorce. I'm going to move uh, to another city. I'm going to uh, switch careers. I'm going to uh, launch a new company and all of that, right? So I think we need to avoid both uh, extremes. Uh, during a time such as this. And what we need to do, and this is what the seven principles in the end come down to, is don't make any decision in the midst of so much change that is irreversible. You mentioned this at the beginning of our conversation today. You said, uh, well, you need to anticipate the dead ends. And that's exactly what I propose uh, in the book in the last uh, few pages, which is don't drive yourself into a corner. Don't um, you know, uh, drive into a, a street, into a cul-de-sac, right? A street that has no way out. Don't make a decision that you cannot reverse. But if you, can make, if you make a decision that cannot be reversed and then the world changes, which it is every day as we know, then you're gonna be in a big problem, right? You're gonna be in a situation in which uh, you cannot uh, reverse and switch direction. So by all means, keep your doors open. Uh, by all means, preserve your options. Do not run yourself into a corner. That I think is the way to summarize all of those principles. I think that uh, that sums it up beautifully. And. Um... Uh, yeah, this is a this is a really fascinating book, uh, and I think you've you've captured it perfectly. And for all of our listeners who are uh, entrepreneurs, business owners looking to develop and grow their companies, uh, if they're looking to survive not just the pandemic uh, with their businesses, but you know thrive and grow beyond 2030, I would say this is essential reading. So it's a spectacular book. Um, so Mauro. What are you most excited about right now? Well, I think uh, some of your listeners may find it difficult to be excited about uh, the state of the world or the state of the markets uh, or even life in general, given uh, all of the restrictions that, that we have, right? We can no longer travel. We cannot meet with friends. You cannot see family. You know, Thanksgiving is approaching. I mean, this is tough, right? But what really excites me in the sense of essentially keeping me alive, even during these very hard times, is that I see that um, you know we have dynamism in the world. Uh, you know, I look at younger people, and I see that they're eager uh, to find a path through all of these problems, right? So that they can build a life that is, uh, you know, a good, satisfying life. 
what keeps me going is reading about uh, everything that is going on. And in particular, if I may say about technology, I, I am very, very optimistic about the extent to which I think technology is not only helping us overcome this particular problem that we have now through online shopping, through all of these platforms that we're using, but also, of course, in terms of pharmaceuticals and treatments and cures for this disease and hopefully for other diseases as well, right? Uh, so it keeps me going is, you know, technology, knowledge. We, uh, you know, if we unleash the potential of technology, I think our lives are going to be so much better in the future. And that, that's what keeps me going is the, is the optimism that comes from invention, from innovation, and from all of those entrepreneurs who are pursuing all of these amazing ideas that will, lay, will make our life better. That is wonderful. Mauro, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate your, your coming on uh, our show and talking about this. One last question for any of our listeners who might want to engage with you directly. Uh, what's a good way they can do that? Absolutely. And I do welcome people reaching out to me. I would like to continue the conversation. So two quick ways. One is come to my website, www.maroguyeng, all one word, .com, or go to LinkedIn, one of these fabulous platforms that we have these days, and send me an invitation to become your connection on LinkedIn. And then we can start messaging each other and uh, we hopefully can continue the debate and the conversation about all of these important topics. Wonderful. Mauro, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate your coming on board. Uh, good luck. And I'm looking forward to seeing your book hit the bestseller status, selling a, a million copies. It's a beautiful book. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I should say that it is a bestselling uh, uh, book on the Wall Street Journal. Uh, but of course, there are other mountains to climb. And uh, I would love to sell as many books as you said. Beautiful. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Wish you all the best. Thank you again. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.